Well, welcome everyone. I'm really excited for my guest today. You are listening to a 100% on Not In Your Business, where we talk to business owners about the struggles and challenges they've they've had in their own personal professional life, making that transition from working in their business, kind of being in the weeds in the day-to-day to really leveling up so that they can work on their business. Because when they can work on their business, they can grow their customer count, grow their revenue, develop their employees, and ultimately achieve the vision for the business that they had set out for. Today, I'm really excited. I have Taylor Ho. He is the Chief Happiness Officer with APM Help and a fantastic story of you know, a business owner that was literally in the weeds. You were employee one, and now you've grown to over 150 employees. Taylor, welcome to the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve, and uh, would, would, love to, would love to inspire others to do the same. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Well, I teased them just a little bit. So you were employee one, and now there's 150. How, how did that all transpire? Tell, tell, uh, tell us a little bit about APM Help and your story, uh, starting the, the business, your experience as employee one, and now your experience as that chief happiness officer. Sure. Well, uh, I think uh, all interesting stories start with, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I, I started the business was uh, money. <laughs> no, uh, no, it was mainly actually, um, I'd, I'd always done kind of startups. I was a serial entrepreneur um, that unfortunately did not make very much money. Um, and so I had always in the back kind of a side hustle thing. I'd always been consulting because um, I, you know, I used to work at a software company called Appfolio. Um, they're an accounting software slash property management software for the property management industry. And um, essentially, I was an expert at the software or knew it really, really, really well and had property management companies contact me outside just to say, hey, we'd love to have you help out. And um, I guess the not the straw that broke the camel's back, but like the kick in the butt, per se, was um, early 2017, my wife told me that uh, she was pregnant and we were going to have her first kid. And so I was like, oh, crap, like. I have to make real money now. <laughs> um, and so uh, quite literally, like in, in that first half of 2017, you know, like reevaluated just my whole life and was just like, yeah, you know, although I don't necessarily know if this is going to be scalable, but the lowest hanging fruit right now is I have unlimited, unsatiable demand for people who, you know, property management companies who who are asking for my help, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, ultimately got to the point where I was doing nonstop 80 hours a week um, at our billable rates and I was making fantastic money, but I was at the point where it's just like, this isn't sustainable. Like I'd finish every day and I'd just be dead, I'd brain dead. Just don't talk to me. Like that was it. And so I was absolutely working in the business, right? Like I was the business. It was me and only me. And I was doing everything, right? Sales, marketing, forums, chatting with clients, talking to prospects, trying to understand, you know, like how could I turn myself? And I think this was a very interesting thing of like, you know, because I was, I I, I, I had done tech startups or product-based companies or software companies, I'd always thought about, well, how can I eventually productize myself? Right. Because I knew from day one, this was not going to be sustainable and essentially, you know, happened to, I think with all great 
companies or stories, I guess, like, you know, what was interesting was our own clients or my clients at the time, even though I had got, you know, cleaned up their books, you know, helped them, got them on the straight and narrow, you know, a few months later, they would come back to me with the same problems. And so we eventually realized that, you know, this was just an, a systemic issue in our industry of, you know, our industry tends to have a really hard problem attracting, retaining, training, and, and, and growing with bookkeepers or back office personnel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was something where, you know, the light bulb really, you know, shone or, or turned on when I had one of our clients come back was like, look, Taylor, we can't keep doing this, right? We, we paid you a ton of money to train our new bookkeeper and three months later, they're gone. A bigger fish poached them, right? right. Like, and now we're back to square one. They're dealing with turnover. They're all small mom and pops too. And so they're just like, Taylor, what if we paid you what we would pay our accounting team or our accountant or bookkeeper to just have peace of mind that our books are clean, right? That everything's being done correctly. It's straight. It's being done in real time or relatively speaking real time. You're reconciling all this kind of great stuff. And that was finally, like, I remember that moment. I was like, huh. I wonder if I can actually do this. I never, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to jump that chasm because then it's like, oh man, now I'm just someone's bookkeeper, yeah. right? Versus, you know, like, you know, the, the other side is like, I'm someone's consultant, right? Where it's like consultant sounds, you know, more sexy or, or you know, than a bookkeeper per se. But I was like, you know, but this is interesting. And I think the biggest thing was that my, I got very lucky here. My first client who offered me this, they were paying their accounting team or bookkeeping team over 7,000 a month. Oh, wow. Right. So for me, I was like, well, my goal was always just, you know, try to make 10 grand a month and, and, and I'm comfortable. I have one client that's coming in and asking me or willing to pay me seven grand of that to do their books. And so ultimately, went down that rabbit hole, uh, you know, signed my first recurring bookkeeping client in July of 2017. And here we are in May of 2021 after a pandemic. And we count over a thousand companies as clients today. Wow. Right. Um, and so, and, 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 and yeah, I mean, I went from myself to, you know, today we have over 150 full-time, right. And we don't only do just books, but I mean, it's the same model. Like it's pretty much small mom and pops in our industry of property management. Um, it's really hard for them to retain, hire, uh, keep, you know, train great back office personnel. And so, you know, we come in as their scalable back office, right? And, and primarily that is bookkeeping. Right, right. Well, looking back at, you know, you got that first one consistent recurring revenue and then the second one. What, what yeah. started to happen in your business where the second, then the third, then the fourth, and you realized, oh, I can't continue to support all of these. And now you needed to start to build a staff. Do you remember what that experience was like for you? Uh, I do. It was, I, I always knew that I would, I had to get to the point where I was working on the business and not in it, right? So I was methodically... The second I brought on like that second, third and fourth client where like, it was like, okay, this is actually a thing now, right? Um, Once I realized that, I immediately started proactively hiring. I took every single penny of extra money outside of like, and I've been very fortunate. My wife has been able to support us, you know, as a family, she has a stable, you know, oil and gas company job, right? So like 
all that kind of like, I was able to take these kinds of risks and she enabled me to effectively take all of the extra free cash flow we had to go and, you know, hire people. So I remember my first key hire was um, the same thing, an, like a, a software expert uh, from the same company at Folio. And literally the second I passed like 10,000 month recurring, which, you know, essentially was, uh, you know, paying for me and someone else per se, I immediately took, you know, that extra money and allocated five grand of it to the first hire, right? right? And, and in that first hire, then I also hired another two people who were like bookkeepers. Um, but I pretty much like outside of a nominal amount of money that I paid myself and at the time I had a partner um, who took half of you know, everything else, like it was pretty much break even. It was just every cent of free cash flow from consulting, from recurring, everything. We were just, all right, we, we were stair-stepping, right? It's like, we've now, we're now doing, you know, 15,000 a month recurring. Okay. That means I can hire three people at 5,000 a month, right? So we, we would go and, you know, have two and be looking for our fifth or third one, because we know we're going to keep, you know, adding more revenue. We just kind of try our best to keep stair-stepping. And what we were doing at the time was essentially building capacity, right? So um, every one person we brought on, right? Like, yes, they may have cost us five grand, but they could handle way more than just five grand in recurring revenue. Right. And so we eventually got to the point where um, as we started scaling, we were pretty comfortably doing every new hire we brought on within two to three months, they were handling 15,000 in monthly recurring. So that enabled us to then really start understanding like, okay, like each person we bring on is 15 K monthly. So if they cost us four or five, 6,000 a month, then there's excess there that we can keep rolling and keep growing. So, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So you were, you were transitioning to the guy that was behind the keyboard to the guy that now is scaling the business and hiring uh, the employees and doing the math, right. Figuring out when is the right time to, to pull the trigger on the next one. And yeah. I bet uh, sales and marketing didn't slow down. It probably sped up for you. Yeah, <laughs> it, it did. And, 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 you know, that's, that's been a challenge, right? Like, you know, sales and marketing for quite some time, I think for the first two years was essentially myself and one other guy, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, we, we eventually got to the point where I don't want to say this is my industry, but it's like shooting, like salespeople like to use shooting fish in a barrel kind of thing. Like we got it to the point where like, it was pretty like, this is, it's the same pitch. It, you know, our consult's a little bit different, but it's pretty much the same value prop. Everything is the same now. Right. And at that point, it was interesting because, um, you know, at the time we still had the ability to hire as well, like actual account managers do the work. Um, And so, you know, we were able to stair step pretty well. Right. Um, Granted, I think we had plenty of small business challenges. We had cash flow issues. Right. Um, I remember not taking salary myself um, early on, at least for, for quite a few months because I was trying to maintain you know, hiring people while making sure like there's enough capacity for sales, right? right? And like stair stepping as best I could. But I mean, all small businesses as they grow quickly, right? Like you're going to go through these challenges. I mean, I think um, from 27, each year for the first three years, we grew over a hundred percent each year. And so it, it was, it was extremely hard to like match supply with demand. Right, right, right. Well, so now your your role is vastly different. Um, explain a little bit more about your role now versus obviously what it was back then. Sure. Well, my official title is the chief happiness officer. 
right? And and whenever people ask me like, what does that really mean? I, I like to say there, there's really two people per se or two audiences that I, I'm responsible for, right? At the end of the day, um, I, my responsibility is our client happiness, client success, right? So if anything were to happen with any of our clients, like technically speaking, they can always come to me and, you know, my job is to make sure they're happy, right? And secondly, our own employees, every single one of our staff, they know I have a virtual open door policy, right? Like at any time, if for whatever reason, anything's happening, right? Like, you know, they, they can reach out, you know, and, and, and we will try our best to to make sure you know they're they have everything they need. They're successful. They're happy as well, right? Uh, and obviously, that has comes with its own challenges. But um, you know, we, we we definitely try our best. Right, right. You know, one of the things I hear from a lot of my guests is at some point they realize they've got to release control. Now, for you, it was kind of you were forced because customers were coming, and you just realized you can't do them all, and so you started yeah. to hire account managers. But now. Um, you you may be at that point because you're probably hiring other leadership to run parts of the business. Um, how are you facing that challenge of kind of releasing control, but at the same time, empowering those team members to um, achieve the goals that you have for APM help and, and ultimately make customers and employees happy? Yeah, well, I think, I think it's a multifaceted question and answer. Um, you know, I we're absolutely at the point where I'm now hiring for other management and leadership positions. Uh, most recently, for example, uh, we quite literally, uh, as of last night, brought on our, our actual like a controller, right? Like a, a junior, like eventual like CFO style kind of person, right? Right. Um, you know, and like this hire, actually, we got introduced to him more than almost two years ago, right? He's the husband of one of our our other key employees we had who went off and you know, jumped to another company, but we had always remained in touch. Um, he had actually been an accountant, he had his own firm. He sold that firm, right? And worked for a year at the acquiring company and, and you know, just had a kid. You know, he, his wife messaged me as like, hey, I see my husband you know, job searching, right? And, and we caught up and I was like, you know, actually my other leadership team members have said like, you know, we really need to bring in someone with, strong financial like background right mm -hmm. like although we are an accounting firm and we do a lot of accounting for our own clients like that's it's it's hard it's it's really hard to to maintain that kind of stuff and we do do a different flavor of like trust property based or portfolio based trust accounting and bookkeeping so mm -hmm. it is quite different from you know company financials and recurring and analyzing cohort and churn and LTV and MRR and if any of you guys have no idea what these acronyms are. Um, absolutely happy. You should Google them. <laughs> but uh, the, 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 you know, but like these are all things that you know, like I wouldn't even be able to call myself an expert at them, right? And so, um, you know, one, we've we've definitely been able to hire or stay keeping in touch with just people, right? Like uh, in general, right? Like we've we've had a lot of success in just maintaining those relationships and eventually making either getting really great intros or hiring straight from our network um i'm i would say extremely active but i, I do try to stay relatively involved in different startup communities mm -hmm. so it, with a prior company we were a capital factory company um so we're in the fa capital factory uh like slack stuff um 
uh, same thing prior company. We were we were we were a 500 startups incubator company or accelerator company, mm-hmm. and so we're still pretty active in you know those kinds of communities as well. And so being able to to reach out, you know, like I've met some amazing founders and and stayed in touch with quite a few of them. And and, and sometimes as it relates to like building technology, right? Like some of our core tech was actually built by a, a fellow founder who was a CTO at a separate startup that eventually failed, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like just staying in touch and I was, he needed work, I needed, you know, a problem to be resolved with tech and he built us an amazing Chrome extension that now like powers pretty much everything that we do, oh, right? Wow. And, you know, so, so I think those are, those, are, those are very, very interesting you know, your, your question specifically around like giving up control and whatnot. I think we've been very lucky because we haven't necessarily had to hire like straight from a job pool or job applicant pool. Like we haven't had to recruit these specific kinds of like blast it out to put a job listing. We've simply reached out to our networks um, and been lucky enough to find potentially really great fits. Um, and, and, and yeah, and, and, and absolutely having great advisors, right, um, you know, is extremely important. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's the power of networks. And so, yeah, are you giving up control? Sure. But you're doing it in a, uh, in a way where you're getting trusted employees to be able to take that portion of your business on. And because they came from your network, because you have um, relationships with them maybe in the past, you can immediately kind of plug and play them. And know that they're going to deliver. So that's a great way to approach it, kind of uh, leverage your networks for sure. Yeah. Uh, and for what it's worth, um, early on, right, when we were going through some pretty explosive growth, uh, like we were hiring three to five people a month kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like we, I was, uh, same thing, very lucky to have employees um, or staff that like kind of stepped up, right? Like they stepped up, they took initiative and you know, here they are today, like one of my employees, uh, Marie, you know, she, she was our probably around the like number 20th hire. Mm-hmm. And now she's actually, she's actually one of our youngest employees too. And, and, and she's now actually our VP of all of our services. Oh, right. Awesome. And, and it was primarily because she, she, she saw and recognized that there was a, a gap in management. I, I, although I may be a chief happiness officer, right. Like I, I understand that I may not be the best people manager, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and I think that's also like different cultures, different kinds of people, right? Like I'm definitely not the micromanaging kind of manager. I'm very much so a, if I trust you, you know, and I, I, I believe that you can do this, like I'm a hands-off kind of manager, right? But, you know, that's not the management style that everyone needs or wants, right? And so there was clearly a gap. She stepped in to fill that and... You know, I mean, it, you know, here we are, you know, 130 people more, after, you know, later, right? Um, you know, and, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely a ride. You roll with the punches, but if you surround yourself with great people, um, you know, talented people, people who problem solvers, right? People who aren't scared, right? That, you know, especially not scared of change, right? Especially at a young company. You know, like you got to be able to roll with the punches and extremely lucky to, to be able to be able to say that we, we were able to. Well, yeah, I mean, y'all, y'all are a, a small uh, thriving company and then you're servicing small businesses as well. So, I mean, gosh, the change is just inevitable in both of those 
uh, type of scenarios. Well, you had mentioned something about your leadership style. And I think um, just knowing you, that that has um, kind of influenced the way that you structured your culture. You and I were talking a little bit before about your 100% remote. And, and, and you structured the comp in, in a certain way to kind of minimize the need for uh, management oversight. Not that you don't have it, but you don't have multiple layers. You want to talk a little bit about how your leadership style created that culture and how it drives and motivates the employees? Sure. So, uh, and, and, and to, to confirm what Steve had said, right, we, we were remote pre-COVID. Right, so we, we have never had an office. Uh, we've, every single employee of ours has always worked from home. Um, now with that, we, we, we do you know, swank out the home offices of all of our staff per se, but um, you know, beyond that, like, you know, that comes with its own challenges, right? Obviously a lot of people now are kind of like, oh, remote work, like we know how to do it now. We, we all have done it, right? Like, <laughs> no, I, I think it's still different when, you know, right now you're doing it, but it, you know, everyone kind of feels like, you know, it's going to go back to normal per se or what it was before. Whereas we've truly never, like we make hires. Uh, we, uh, every, every day, quite frankly, every week, we're hiring people that we've never seen before, right? Outside of a video conference, right? right? Um, and, and, and that obviously poses its own challenges um, as it relates to the management style or the culture that, that you know, I've kind of, you know, uh, put in because of the remote style, like due to the remote nature and the whole mantra of like, if you're in a meeting, you're not working kind of thing, um, you know, and my own personal uh, maybe downfall or shortcomings here of just not being a very good, like, let me oversee everything kind of manager, right? Like we've evolved our culture to be, you know, like very, we don't need tons of managers per se to look over everything. And one of the, one of the specific things that I harp on a lot is how I designed our comp structure for every single employee or staff at my company. There is some ability for them to make some kind of bonus. Right. And it's calculated every month, some are quarterly, but usually it's every month and then paid out quarterly or something. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always tied to some kind of key metric that that employee is responsible for or has full control over. Right. And so, you know, like that's almost in and of itself a review mechanism. Right. Not saying, look, it, it's not for everyone. Right. Some people, you know, like everyone wants to make more money, but let's put it that way, right? Everyone wants to make more money, but depending on who they are, trying to attain that more money or that bonus or extra money um, may be extremely draining for people, right? right? And, and so, so and, and this is actually one of those things that like we've had to really take a step back and like reevaluate and see like, is this really sustainable long-term as well? Um, and I think eventually we're going to move to a hybrid approach, but like early on where we're growing extremely fast and there aren't, there is no middle management, right? Like literally we had people who would join us and three months later, they technically were like senior people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because there's like now 10 more people that have joined, right? Like um, in those kinds of styles, like there's not, you know, room or time to train or whatnot. And so I put a lot of thought into how do I design a comp structure that technically speaking, I can tell if you're performing, right? 
um, well or just normally based on how much we've paid you, right? Yeah. And and technically speaking, that's also their own review, right? Like, like instead of having to, at the time, like instead of having to do weekly one-on-ones or check-ins with every single employee, like I wasn't able to do that. I was on sales calls, right? Like I was on consults and things. And so that was, it was, it was, it was something that, that was the intent. Now, here we are today, don't get me wrong. We've, we've now entered like more of a hybrid approach because we also realize you know, not everyone operates or can operate or thrive in that kind of environment either, right? right? So, you know, and, and I think that's something, you know, we've, every company is going to evolve and change. And, you know, there's market dynamics that are changing too. People are more comfortable with remote work, right? But that also means like we have a bigger pool of people, but they're all, they, some of them have been working 30 years at big corporate America, right? right? For them, it, they're just like, huh? What do you mean there's a monthly bonus thing? Like I just just pay me, you know, what you I should earn and every year, you know, like I'll get like a increase or something and and that increase or bonus or raise is is based on my performance and I'm happy, right? Like yeah. don't don't dangle these carrots in front of me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, because because of course, if you dangle it, they're gonna want it, right? Yeah, but then, right. You know, like that may lead to burnout and 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 a bad balance of work life balance and all this. So, lots of challenges, obviously. Yeah, but right. um, we we are still maintaining some semblance of, you know, everyone has a key metric they, they, that 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 like, you know, equates to relative performance, and uh, we we do still pay monthly uh, or, or calculate monthly and pay quarterly bonuses. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I can see that that's that's not a fit for everyone. If um you're you're custom to just that flat salary and that three percent every year, and it look like it makes it look like you're holding something back, but you're not. You're 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 driving the performance and the culture that you want. And so, you know, hiring employees is more about fit, anyways, than skill set and background. And sure. so, I, I bet you probably screen for that up front. Um, this has been fantastic. Thank you for joining me today. So you mentioned that you're still um, very connected to just the, the network of other startups. Um, as you talk with other business owners that might be in the space you were four years ago, what's one or two uh, pieces of advice that you see yourself giving to them on a regular basis and you want to share with the audience today? You know, I, I remember being in the position where I was even before this current company, where it's like, everyone talks about being able to leverage advisors or these networks, right? And I remember at the time, especially when you're straight out of college kind of thing, it's like, what do you talk? Like, I don't know anyone, right? Like, how do you build this network, right? Where do you even get started? Honestly, I mean, it it's awkward, especially if, if, if it's not your personality type to go mingle and network. But like, you know, if, if this is, if, if being a business owner is what you want to do, honestly, just going to a local networking kind of, you know, event, just starting there, you never know who you're going to run into. Right. Right. Um, and yes, some of them may be, you know, not that valuable. Right. But like, I got to the point where, you know, early on, like I try to go to at least one a month, right? Kind of thing. Until like I I eventually got to the point where it's like, because when you go there, you you're meeting other founders, other business owners, you get to hear their struggles, you get to hear 
their business models. You get to learn a ton, right? And 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 if you're just getting into it, like just listening uh, also helps you better understand like what you want to do, where you want to go, what, you know, what you aspire to be, right? And I think the other thing is like if you if you like want to stay in touch with someone, you have to take the initiative, mm-hmm. right? Like there's so many people who you know they'll go to whatever a conference thing and some famous person you know goes up and speaks and there's like a line to go talk to them afterwards right and everyone's like oh well here's my business card right like reach out to me right that person's not gonna reach out to you they're gonna i'm sorry but you know like they're gonna take those business cards and the second they walk out the door they're gonna throw in the trash yeah right but you know like how what I realized was like, and I actually c- kind of do this. Granted, like because uh, I go to conferences, you ha- kind of have to have cards. But like, I have a rule myself where if I want to truly stay in touch with someone, I ask for their information right then and there, and I either send them a text message or an email, or I connect with them and I send them some kind of message. Otherwise, I can show you tons of stacks of business cards that I have never touched once I got home. Right. right? Like, especially when you got kids. And, 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 and other distractions, right? Like, but as, as a, as a initial, when you're starting up and stuff, you got to take the initiative, right? I've also cold emailed other founders and other people who you would never believe would answer or respond. Right. But, you know, if, if you, if you actually take the time to craft, you know, not a spammy email, right. But like a legitimate, like, Hey, you know, Put yourself out there. I I have this problem, you know. I I've seen whatever, you know. I've seen you guys. You've talked about these kinds of topics, right? Like, show that you've done some research into them versus just like, you know, you're a famous person, yeah. right? Like, no, no, like act actually, like you know, like spend some time researching them and put that in there. And at least founders like me, we're inbox zero, right? What does that mean? That means I don't have a thousand unread emails. That means I have zero unread. That means I read every single email. Right. Right. And so, you know, I will get emails from, of course, a lot of, you know, uh, SDR salespeople trying to get in my, you know, try to get in, you know, maybe not slide into my DMs, slide into my inbox. Right. And like, you know, and maybe this is weird to me, but like, sometimes I'll actually critique them. I'll be like, look, I would have responded to you, right? Like legitimately, but like, here's some of the reasons why I'm not going to take this very seriously, right? And it's grammar, it's length of email, right? Like, you know, like, but sometimes like I've had some where it's like, you know, they just, especially requesting jobs, right? Like internships, things like that. They'll just be like, hey, I see you have a position open. You know, I don't think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm what you're looking for specifically for that role, but I like what your company's doing. And, you know, if you have anything, you know, a- anything available, right, that potentially could be a good fit, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to connect, right? And they, they'll include like a cover letter or some kind of resume or something like that. And again, I'm inbox zero, I read everything. Uh, at least I'll open the attachment, right? Versus, you know, like hand me a business card, <laughs> I'm sorry, right? But like, I'm not going to, re- I'm, I'm not going to reach back out to you. Right, right, yeah. like, <laughs> so. Uh, I, I think long story short, right? Take initiative. Don't be scared. Take initiative, but be respectful of of other people's time as well. Right, and and be genuine. I mean, we we want oh, to yeah. connect with other humans. We don't want to be sold to and 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 uh, 
uh, told what to do. We just want to connect with other other you know genuine humans that want to do good things. So yeah, your um, uh, point about let them know that you've learned a little bit about them and what their background is and why that background is important to what you're reaching out for. I mean, maybe it's help, right. maybe it's a job, something to that matter. So that's very good advice. And yes, um, getting out and starting to network is if, if that's not your personality type can be really difficult. And I always encourage people when you go to those events, at least half of the people there are like you. Oh yeah, You're oh, 90% of the people How many? are like you. How many? 90%, well, well greater than 90%. 50% extrovert, extrovert, 50% of us are introverts. <laughs> Fine, but, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you might be right, 90% um, are, are uncomfortable. So everyone's there is uncomfortable and uh, they just want to um, get to know other individuals. So if you do that well and genuinely, then they're open and welcome to talk with you. Exactly. Taylor, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, anything you'd like to leave the guest? Uh, uh, I mean, you know, for what it's worth, um, I, I mean, if I can be of help or assistance to anyone, obviously like this podcast and this show per se is not specifically in my industry, but um, I mean, look, I, I'm in Houston, right? Um, I try to support the community as best as I can. Right, I, I invest in companies or startups. Right, like don't spam me. <laughs> be 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 mindful. But uh, if if anyone needs help, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to at least read the email, and if it's genuine enough, I'll respond. <laughs> and how would people get in contact with you? Uh, I'm going to leave this one pretty open ended. There are a gazillion ways to get in contact with people. So show me you've done a little bit of research. My name is like Taylor. It. Uh, H-O-U is my last name. You can find me on anywhere, essentially, right? Um, not saying I'm going to respond, but again, if, 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 if you're either creative enough or genuine enough, uh, I will most likely respond. I, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. I like that. <laughs> we'll close. I mean, you make it too easy, right? Like, it's just like, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, follow me. What does that mean? I, I don't oh, know. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I like the approach. Well, Taylor, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Cool. Thanks, Steve. Likewise.